Um, before we get into it tonight, I want to do something that uh, is kind of just normal to our culture here at The Collective. And uh, we believe that God speaks very specifically into every one of our situations, not knowing all your guys' situations. And so simply what I want to do is I, I just want to give you a moment, give you a moment to ready your heart, to prepare yourself, maybe even to offer like a quick prayer. Like, what do you want God to do in your life tonight? Like I was going on a trip uh, last week and uh, before I went on that trip, I asked God very specifically, God, I really want a word from you, a message from you. Like just something as I go into this year, just to kind of confirm what I'm doing, what, what's in front of me, how I've kind of structured my goals. And what I love about God, he always delivers in the craziest way. Like the, the most unusual way. And I, I go to this place and it's like a leadership conference and um, this big Australian dude who was there from Minnesota comes up to me uh, to just encourage me during one of the sessions. And he, he gives me this word of encouragement, this verse, this story in the Bible that God always speaks to me through. And it just resonates in such a deep level. And I knew in that moment that this was my prayer being answered. And the crazy thing about this is uh, here's this Australian dude from Minnesota at this leadership conference on the other side of the world. And he's speaking this word to me. And it reminds me of something that God told me and spoke to me when I was studying this passage five years ago, right before I got to Village Church and came into this position. And I was like trying to, you know, hold it together as this guy is saying this to me because it's just resonating in such a deep level. And I stop for a second and I tell this guy like, dude, that was like right on. I know God spoke this to me once and shared this Bible verse and the story. And it was actually at this conference, um, Hillsong's conference back in like 2013. I was telling him and then I told him about the speaker that shared this and how I wrote it down in illustration. And this guy is like, what are the chances, right? He's like, oh yeah, she's my best friend. I'm like, what? Like, are you kidding me right now? But that's the way that God works. If you expect him to work like that, if you come anticipating, come open, come willing to just surrender your preconceived notions of how God can work. He's God right? He controls everything. He's created everything. So with that, just take a moment in your seat, close your eyes if you would like, and ask God for a word specifically for you, whatever that prayer is, whatever you want him to ask. Father, we thank you for your presence. 
in this room tonight. I thank you that you hear all those prayers that have just been offered to you. Not only that you hear them, but even before we ask, God, you know what we need. So I pray, God, in your sovereignty that you would answer those prayers. That as Kenzie said, that everybody in this place would leave here ministered to. Experiencing you in just a real way tonight. God, take these, these notes, these ideas, these words that I put together and anoint them. Allow us to hear them as if you're speaking directly to us. And God, as we open up your word tonight, I pray that it would just plant seeds in all our lives in order for us to bear fruit for your kingdom as we go out into this week, this month, this year. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would transform us from the inside out and that you would just make your presence known in this place. Amen. Thanks, guys. So tonight, I've had this verse, this word, this sermon on my heart for a couple weeks now. And I've really been anticipating this moment. And uh, I wrote down a bunch of things and ideas and ways that I wanted to talk through this passage. But really what I want you guys to see and what I want to hold in front of you uh, tonight is this passage. I really want you to engage with me. I really want you to hear these words that I'm about to read as if Jesus is speaking directly to you. Because it's easy to come to something like this and just sit back, you know, act too cool to be here. Like, just look like you don't care. And just hear these words as like just another Bible verse that hits you in one ear and goes out the other. But what we believe here is that the Bible is living. It's the living word of God. And it speaks to us in such a profound way. Just like it spoke to them back then. And so really, I want you to engage with me. Just be alert, like lean in tonight, because I really believe coming to you tonight that God wants to speak to some of you. Like wrestling with this, this came out of my own devotional life, and uh, it was just hitting me the, the morning that I opened up this passage. And there was things that I wish someone told me when I was in my 20s, like profound truths to live by. So Matthew 6, 25 to 34. My goal, my hope for you guys this year is that coming to the collective that you wouldn't just gain a bunch of knowledge, that you would actually experience life changing. At the end of this year, that you would look back to this moment, this time where you're sitting right now and remember in your head where you were at and be like, wow, God has totally transformed my life. And I believe that can happen because that's what happened to me when I, when I decided to actually follow Jesus, when I took that step, when I owned my faith. 
like it was like a February and then by October I was like in ministry. And I'm not saying all you guys have to go into ministry, but just imagine going from partying, clubbing, doing all that to all of a sudden like pastoring these 12 youth students, right? That's how drastically God changed my life. And I believe when it comes to transformation, when it comes to following Jesus, he can do that for you. So Matthew 6, 25 to 34, to give you some context, this is one of Jesus' most famous sermons. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And what I love about this sermon, as this is just an excerpt, is that he's talking about what life in the kingdom looks like. What life in the kingdom looks like. This reality that you and me live in because Jesus came, died, and resurrected. And he's talking about what the kingdom, what it looks like to live in the kingdom. And he says this in verse 25, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? I love that line. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Looking at the birds of the air, they neither sow sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? I ask my wife that question all the time that she's speaking out. Just pro tip, never goes well. Never goes well. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So right now in this moment, as he's saying that, you need to imagine like some celebrity, you know, all dolled up, ready to go, red carpet. That's what he's talking about. Those lilies, way more beautiful than whatever you're picturing in your head. Hopefully it's PG. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. This is a great passage. And probably a lot of you guys have heard it before, right? And it's like, a lot of times this is preached in a way where it's like, hey, don't be anxious about food, clothing, life's more than that, you know, don't be materialistic. But I think there's some way deeper truths that are hidden behind these analogies, these images that Jesus is using. Like so, some of you in the room, you might, maybe you experienced this. Like, have you ever, ever had one of these moments? I love this line. Isn't life more than? And then you give some examples, but isn't life not more than? Is not life more? Like, think about that. Have you had one of those moments where you've just been doing life and maybe you are uh, in, in a season where you have a goal or you're moving towards something and you, you achieve that goal or whatever it is that you're working towards and it doesn't really bring that fulfillment that you're looking for. And you're like, okay, isn't there more to life than this? That's just another way to say that. Isn't there more to life than this? Like that just happened to me uh, this past year. 
I had a horrible year. 2017 is probably a year that I want to forget. Um, and it was a really interesting year where God was really challenging me in so many different ways. I was challenged when it came to my calling uh, as, a, as a pastor, and I was like kind of questioning that. I was like learning how to uh, parent my kids because uh, now I really have to be involved in their life in a different way because they're not like two anymore. And I was just challenged in so many different areas in my life. And all of a sudden, when I started just depending more on God, the year started turning around. And it ended like really weird, like they gave me a promotion at work, which was totally unexpected in some sense. And I got that promotion, something that I was striving for, something that I was working towards, something that I was praying into, something that I was looking forward to step into. And nothing changed. I got it, it was great, I was happy. My wife was pretty excited for me. But then after like a day or so, I looked at my wife and she looked at me and she was like, yeah, no, this is great, but uh, isn't there something more to this? Or is, is, is there supposed to be some kind of drastic change? Some of you probably had that moment, right? You know, you finally get into that relationship that you're, you want to be in with that special someone that you've been praying for, I don't know, for how long. <laughs> and it's great in everything, right? But after a while, you realize that they don't bring you that total fulfillment or satisfaction in certain ways where you're looking for in a relationship, you know, in ways that complete you, in ways that you think like, okay, if I only had a boyfriend or if I only had a girlfriend, then, I, you know, I'd be happy. Have you ever had that moment? Who's that? <laughs> and there's so many other things, and I could go through different examples, right? Some of you, okay, I know this is true, like you finish your bachelor's degree, right? You've been striving and pursuing that, putting in late nights, doing all these things. You get that bachelor's degree, and you realize you have to go get a job that actually pays you money, right? And it's this moment where it's like, okay, I worked so hard for this, but nothing really changes, right? It's not super significant. Sure, you accomplish something, but it doesn't really bring you that total satisfaction, right? That's what I'm getting at. And this is the thing with our generation. We bought into this cultural message that our value is de defined by what we achieve and what we do in the world, what we accomplish. One Christian leader speaking to 60,000 young people, he said it like this, the only thing I'm afraid of is living an insignificant life. The only thing that I'm afraid of is living an insignificant life. Anybody have that fear? That's kind of one of the fears that kind of catapulted me into ministry in some sense. Like, I, I didn't want to waste my life, right? And another writer, he says it like this, when the idea is carried into the Christian faith, and I know not all of you in the room are Christians tonight, but when you take that idea and you move it into the Christian faith, we come to believe that our value to God is rooted in how much we achieve for Christ and his kingdom. Right? The first time I read that, 
I was kind of taken back and I was like, okay, is that how I'm living my life? Is that how I'm functioning to gain value from God in some sense in what I do for him? See, if you read these words again in verse 25, do not be anxious about your life. And then he goes on to describe the basic needs, food, drink, clothing. What I realize is in our day, in our cultural moment, achieving something, doing something significant has become a basic need for us. That's what life is all about for us. And don't get me wrong, achievement is great, right? As long as you have the right motives behind it. As long as it's not the ultimate thing in your life. You know, food, drink, clothing, like that's great. Those are all great things. But are things that can't bring you value. In our consumer culture, we assign value to ourselves and others based on the goods we purchase. Your identity or value is constructed by the clothes you wear, the vehicle you drive, the music on your iPhone. And so now you're starting to see like these words that Jesus is speaking to us centuries later, is, they're actually pretty profound if you think about them. And when we go after these things for the wrong reasons, what we realize we're doing is we're not living this life the way that it's meant to be lived. And a lot of us in this room have probably felt those moments going after those things, those, those anxious moments, those stressful moments. Right? For the longest time, when I was pursuing this position or this role at, at Village, before I got it, like years before, I remember I used to just stress out about my job so much. I used to, there used to be nights where I was in bed knowing all the things that I needed to do and my heart would start racing. And I was like, okay, what's going on right now? Did I have caffeine or something like that? I was going through what I just ate before I went to bed. And my, I started feeling a pressure on my chest. And I, I don't know what that symptom's called where you think that something's always wrong with you, but I think I might have it. And so I thought I was having like a heart attack or something, like seriously. And uh, my dad has heart trouble. So, you know, I just jumped to that. And then I actually went back to work the next day. I was talking to a coworker. And uh, he said, like, he has the same fear. It was a really funny moment. And I went to the doctor to go get checked it out. And he's just like, you're stressed. That's it. <laughs> like, relax. You're a healthy dude. You know, I'm active. I go to the gym, do all those kind of stuff. And I'm only like, at the time, I was like 29. And the thing was, I was like, oh, I'm stressed. Okay. That's anticlimactic. I thought you were going to tell me that something's wrong with me. But that's what tends to happen, right? when we're just achieving something to get that value, that satisfaction. And what Jesus is saying with these words right now is, isn't there more to life than whatever that thing is? You fill in the blank. Think about that question as if he's saying it to you tonight. Isn't there more to life? Fill in the blank. What is it? The food that you crave? the stylish clothes, whatever it is, advancing in your career, as I said, having a classic car or apartment. Isn't there more to life than having a body that people admire, achieving more than anyone else in your family has ever achieved? Others people's good opinion of you? None of these things will do. 
Like if you think about them, they're not going to bring you that satisfaction. Trust me, because a lot of these things I went after myself. I went after myself in my life. So then how do we get that value that we crave? Deep down at a human level, how do we find that? How do we gain that? I think Jesus alludes to it in verse 26 when he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither soar nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? I love how one version says, are you not more valuable than they? That's what I was trying to say. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Are you not more value? He's trying to ask some just really basic, easy questions. Like what he's trying to do, he's trying to trigger his disciples' minds to just think like, yeah, of of course I'm more value than a bird. Of course I have more value than a flower in the field. And he goes on to say that, you know, he's talking about grass that's here today, is gone tomorrow, right? None of those things have souls, right? None of those things really function the way that we do. Of course we have more value. And I love how Jesus tries to even go a little bit deeper by asking that question, which of you by being anxious can annex a single hour to his span of life? You see what he's doing there? He's talking about your worry, your stress, your anxiety. And he's asking you the question, like, does that actually change the situation whatsoever? Like, this totally resonates with me because um, my mom, awesome person, super hospitable, loving person. But the thing is, she worries a lot. And I kind of adopted that from her or learned that from her. And so when I read these words, a lot of the times, I realize that I function in this way. I'm trying to add more time to my life or trying to control the situation because that's what he's talking about. Because can any of you guys add time to your life when you're worried? No, because we don't control time, right? Only God controls time. And this hits me over and over again, even as I was uh, writing down this message because I realized that a, a lot of the times I did that. Like one of the very first Sunday mornings that I was going to preach at Village, like I was freaking out to like about 3 a.m. at night and I had to be at the church at 6 a.m. And I was freaking out because I did all this reading and I felt like I probably should have started writing my message more than reading all these books to, to you know, sound smart. And it was 3 a.m. and I was like praying and I was like crying out to God. I was like, I got nothing, God. I don't know what I'm going to do in three hours. And in that moment, you know, I just felt like this peace and this sense that, okay, I, I have no control of the outcome when I put my messages together. I have no control whatsoever what God's going to do in this room, even tonight. And I'm slowly learning this, but I don't stress out. I don't worry. Or if I do, I just pray right away. Because what is he trying to get us to understand? Right? When we go after these things, when we worry, when we stress out, we're trying to control our lives. We're trying to live life our way, thinking that we're going to gain all these things, value, satisfaction, fulfillment, our own way. Control is the underlying 
thing that he's talking about here. And this is what got us into this position that we're in, in the first place. Like, just think about back in the garden, Adam and Eve, right? The serpent shows up and is like, okay, do you, did God really say is the line that starts this all? They were doubting him. And as soon as they ate the apple, what they were doing was they're trying to take control of their life back from God. And because they did that, sin entered into the world. Sin entered into the world through, through one act and affected us all. And ever since then, we've been fighting for control with God. But what I love about this statement that some of us don't realize, a lot of us don't realize, right, when we are trying to fight for control of our life, is that this God that we don't want to give control to is not loving, doesn't want what's best for us. That's exactly what Adam and Eve were thinking in that moment in the garden. See, when God says, are you not of more value? He's asking an obvious question to these disciples. But even to us, as we read these words, of course we're going to answer yes. Why? Because the creator of the universe who controls time, who created everything that we see around us, the birds, the flowers, the grass, he took on flesh and he died for those sins. And he resurrected from the grave, allowing us to come back into relationship with him. If we turn to him, if we repent of our sins, that's how much value you were to him. Think about that for a second. While you were still far away from him, while you were still fighting for control of your life, he came and he died for you. That's how you know God's loving. That's how you know he wants what's best for you. And this is, this is how I think we look a lot of the times. Like I have a two-year-old, her name is Vesper, and she's like the cutest thing and I can't get mad at her at all but she's going through this phase where she just, if you don't do something that she likes or you take away something from her, she calls you bad. She's like, okay, bad dada or bad mama. And there's like things that I'm trying to protect her from, right? She like gets on the counter, the kitchen counter. She's like dancing around in her little princess dress. And I just don't want her to fall off, right? So I, I grab her and I put her on the ground and right away she's like, bad dada. And it, it's funny, but the thing that I'm realizing is that she doesn't fully understand the danger that she's putting herself into. She doesn't understand that if she falls off, like, sure, it's fun dancing on the top of the counter, but if she falls off, we're going to go to the hospital or something like that. And sometimes I think about how we try to control our lives, how we try to live our lives according to our own rules, and as soon as God doesn't do something or puts a rule there, a boundary of sorts that we want to cross, we're kind of like, okay, God, bad data in some sense. <laughs> right? I was thinking about that. I was like, we think that God's not loving, that God doesn't want what's best for us. But that's the thing. We are human we're finite beings. We don't fully understand the mysteries of God. And we'll never understand this side of heaven. 
And that's where trust comes in. That's what this Christian life is all about, trusting in God. God set this all up in a way where what's best for human beings is to trust him. And the deeper we go in our walk with God, it's just this deeper trust that builds and builds. And so tonight, I, I don't know where you're at. But when it comes to being anxious or anxiety or stress, I know a lot of us deal with it. And this is, you gotta realize, this is the essence of anxiety. Anxiety is the desire to control that which we can't control. So why wouldn't you trust the God who controls everything? If anxiety is a desire to control that which you can't control, why wouldn't you give your life to Jesus, trust him fully, listen to his prompting, his voice, his spirit that he gives you to guide you, to lead you? Because this life that Jesus is talking about, like this whole sermon is about living the kingdom life, and I'm going to close in a second. It's this life where you're not stressed, you're not anxious, for sure, but it's actually this happy life that we're all striving for, that we're all trying to achieve for ourselves. It's this God reality that we don't see, that's right in front of us. Sometimes I think we forget that when Jesus came to this earth, he brought heaven to earth. Because if you think about heaven, heaven really is heaven because God is there. That's what makes heaven heaven because the presence of God is there, that you're gonna meet him face to face. And when Jesus came to this earth, he brought heaven to earth. And not only that, when he went away to be with the Father, he sent his spirit to live in us, to dwell with us, to walk this life out with us, to lead us into the God reality all around us. And so my question for you tonight is do you trust God with the small things and the big things in your life? Or are you still trying to fight for that control? I don't know what area God is speaking to you about right now in this moment, but it can be a small thing, it can be a big thing. Whatever that is, I want you to hear this phrase tonight. I want you to realize this. In the kingdom, in the kingdom of God, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus and you, you give, you've given your life to him, you're living in the kingdom, now but not yet. In the kingdom, you have everything you need. When you trust God, you have everything you need. And that's how this passage ends. It says all your needs, not your desires, make sure you get that right. All your needs, anything that you need, food, drink, clothing, all your needs, God will meet those needs. When you do what? When you seek first the kingdom, pretty much when you put him first in your life, when you fully trust him, when you fully trust his guidance. You know, going into ministry, that trust was definitely a challenge right off the bat. 
And I've told you some of you guys this, that I had to quit my job and work for the church part-time. And by that time, we had our first kid. And I, I, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. If, I, if this job didn't work out, was I going to go work at Starbucks or something? And at that moment, right, when I had my first kid and then I had my second kid and then we had to move into my in-law's basement because we didn't really have money for rent in Richmond, I was just questioning this. I was like, okay, God, I'm stressing out right now. Are you going to provide for my needs? And I didn't realize then, now I know, looking back, but he had everything in control. He had this plan that he was working out, things that he was building inside of me, situations that he was putting me in, in order that I would trust him more. Because as I said, that's what was, what was best for me. And now, you know, I'm, I'm here, which is great, and I've learned this somewhat, but I still stress out sometimes, and I still got to remind myself. Even as I was doing this devotional, God was reminding me about those little areas. So what are those areas? Like God's speaking to you right now. I know it. So here's the question. What, what are you going to do tonight? How are you going to respond? You know, I know that God is working in this room tonight. And here's the thing. Whatever he's asking you to do, whatever he's calling you to put down in some sense, things that you've been put, that you put in front of him in some sense and put first in your life, that he wants you to lay down, surrender to him, whatever that is, it's going to take courage. It's not going to be easy. But once you do it, it's going to be so worth it. So I want you guys to stand with me. And here at Collective, we're not about hype. And we're not about hype because we believe that God works even when we don't hype up the situation. And so right now, what we're going to do is, new to some of you, awkward to most of you, and that is, we're just going to be still. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. And what we do when we practice stillness is like what John Mark Comer said at Essentials is that we awaken ourselves up to God's presence. And a lot of the times, it's not that God is absent. It's actually because we're distracted with all these different experiences and things going on in our world that we're not actually aware of his presence, his presence that's with us always. And the reason that we're going to be still in these next couple moments, which are going to feel like maybe hours to some of you, is that we really want to listen to see what God wants to do tonight.
you know, this whole time I was just trying to like get through that message because I was really excited for this moment. Because I've been praying into this moment for the last two weeks. And I really believe that some of you, all you needed to hear tonight was that you have value. So stop striving for it and start living your life knowing that God has accepted you, that God loves you, not because of anything you do, just because of his grace and his goodness. So if you'd like, you can open your hands like this, as Kenzie said, is an act of surrender. And I'd ask you uh, to close your eyes if you feel comfortable. And I'm just gonna guide us or coach us through these next couple of minutes. So Holy Spirit, I invite you into this moment, not because you're not here, but because you're a gentleman and you don't force yourself on us. But God, we wanna experience you. We wanna experience the part of you that you've given us, that you've sent to this earth to be with us, and that's your Holy Spirit. So God, we just still our minds and our hearts. And we just ask in the next couple minutes as we stand here in silence that you would pour your love into our hearts through your spirit.
Father, thank you for your grace that you pour out on us. God, I pray that you would just continue to pour out your spirit as we worship, as we pray. God, in this moment, I pray that you would melt hard hearts, that you would remove obstacles, that you would remove doubt, that you would help us in our unbelief, especially if we've never experienced you in a tangible way, God. God, we've come tonight to experience you, to meet with you, to be encouraged, to be built up. So I ask, God, in your mercy that you would meet us in the next couple moments right where we're at. be it far away, doing our own thing, living our own lives, lost in some sense, searching for meaning and answers. God, I know that you're pursuing that person with your love right now. Or be it that person who's lived a committed life, who's asking why you don't show up more in their life or maybe why they haven't achieved those things that they thought you would help them achieve. God, meet both of those people tonight. Speak to both of those people tonight. Show them that you have always been with them. and that they're valued and loved unconditionally. So we're gonna move into a time of prayer. And some of you who are used to collective, uh, we usually do group prayer, but tonight I really wanted to emphasize just individual prayer. And when I was at this leadership conference, I remember this pastor coming up and uh, we had prayer and ministry time, like which we're about to move into. And I remember like pastor after pastor coming up, I went up for prayer and the guy that was leading this came back up to the mic and he was like, you know, I love what's happening right now and people are coming to get prayer because usually in our culture, people hesitate. People hold back, people don't move because they don't want to step out and everybody to notice that, okay, there's something wrong in their life or they're broken or they're hurting. But here's the thing, we're all broken, we're all hurting. That's why we all needed a savior. And tonight he's here and that's what church is all about. That's what we're doing right now. Church is all about you coming, you getting prayed for, you getting encouraged, you getting built up. 
so you could go out this week and be a light and face temptation. And so every time we gather, I want to encourage you to come for prayer, not because it makes me feel better. No, because God is here and he wants to meet with you. And one of the ways he does that consistently is through prayer. So our prayer team is ready to pray for you guys, whatever that may be. And we just created a space on the sides here, as you see, for you to come up for prayer. And the music's going to play softly, not to coax you to come to prayer, but just so that these guys can hear you when you come up to them and ask to pray. And if you don't want to come up for prayer, that's totally fine. You could pray in your seat. You can turn to the person next to you and pray for them. But we're just going to take a couple moments and we're going to pray. And as we move into this time, I'm going to be the first one that goes for prayer. And God kind of put this on my heart as I was thinking through this message. And I realized something this month and that is in a lot of ways in my life, I put ministry before my family. And I was convicted of that. And during our prayer time, as we were praying for the service a couple days ago, one of our prayer members reminded me of what God was convicting me of. And here's the thing, I can't be a good dad all on my own and my own strength and my own effort. I need his help. I need your help as the church to encourage me, to support me. That's why we're here as a community. And so my prayer is that as I'm obedient to God, you see that as uh, it's okay to go get prayer. <laughs> I don't know any other way to say it. We're going to go and we're going to pray.